I don't believe in free speech. I don't believe in free speech. I can't stand what they teach. I don't believe in free speech. I can't stand what they teach. I can't stand what they preach. I don't believe in free speech. I have a lot of good articles for you today. Should we jump into it or should we talk about... Um, did you see the person came by to get all the stuff out of the recycling? I did. She yeah, was like the, picking through it like, with a giant bag. Yeah. Who is this guy? He's like, like, he's not like a homeless guy. He just is like a guy who just like his side job is like collecting other people's recycling. He drives in parks and gets out of the car. I guess he's the one that goes to like like Can Recycling Center or something. He passed up all of our Cynthia water bottles. Really? Yeah. He he's didn't like put a any gold mine. He just can't recycle. He's like. If that's what you're looking for, this is the place for you. <laughs> I watched the woman next door also take her trash out, and she put her trash in the trash can, picked something off the ground, put it in her pocket, and then put both of her hands back in her pocket. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, is this what normal people do? I watched this over our neighbors across the street. Yeah, like she brought, she like rolled the trash out, like opened up the, the trash lid and put something in there and then closed it. And then just and then like like rubbed her, ran her hands through her hair, and then got in the car. And I was <laughs> like, "What the? F- Why don't you just like dump a garbage bag into your front seat? You know, just wallow around in it." It's like God. It's like <laughs> you see these like terrible movies from the old days where like like people are like asleep in like barns on top of pigs and they wake up in filth. That's like what normal people look like to me. I don't understand. Anyway, it's trash day here in Burlington. That's why we're talking it's about this. It's recycling day. Oh, recycling day. <laughs> the most important day of the week in Re- Vermont. Recycling, recycling day. <laughs> recycling day for the trash, garbage human beings that don't understand hygiene and are going around the neighborhood, like, touching all the trash and then touching everything else. But we don't touch them, so. That's and they my don't rule. touch us. That's my rule. Don't touch anything. If you do touch anything, don't touch me afterwards. <laughs> it's so today we're um you're gonna read me articles yeah so you don't read the news really except for like if you see something when you like open twitter or facebook or whatever but you don't actively go out and read news away from me Um, and you don't really know anything about celebrity pop culture past what like 1993 I'm terrible at my job. I am. I know my job. Like, this podcast, all of a sudden, like, it's my job to read the news. And I I generally, I don't know. I mean, I guess people wouldn't wouldn't think about this. But, like, I just, I don't read the news. I think I mentioned once in a podcast that I, like, like, I said something like, you know, seriously, I'm not kidding. I really don't look at the news. Like, if, if I, like, if I'm walking on the sidewalk and I pass, like, a newspaper box, I, like, look, I look up away, away, up and away, up and away. That's also what, what Eleanor makes me do when I, whenever there's, like, boobs on a screen in the movie or something. She's like, what do we do? Up and away. It's like stranger danger. His boobs are gross. Boob danger. <laughs> don't. <laughs> up and away. Hand up. Eyes away. Mm-hmm. And, um. <laughs> But yeah, I so I just I generally don't read the news because um, I mean I read like carefully selected, like you'll pick out you know you'll be like oh look at this article look at this article it's like my research assistant for like gender related news yeah. but I, I read that stuff like I'll like specifically go to like sites and just look at like the culture sections and stuff but I definitely do not like just read like the front page of news. Anywho, okay, so I I found a bunch of articles. Some of them are really silly um, and, like, you know, really just... What's in the news today? According to the New York Times, 
Smoking is back. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. I told you. So you. So you made me quit smoking, basically. <laughs> no, I quit smoke. Okay, I smoked. So I smoked for like twelve years when I was younger. I smoked like a pack a day for twelve years, and then I quit for like ten years, and then I started again. I'm like the only person I know that has ever done that. I started like on purpose. It was like I got. Because I, because it was sort of like, it were a lot of things, but I just, it was like this sort of like immature moment where I was just like, when did I get to the point where I've given up everything that I, that, that is fun, you know, everything that like, that I love and that everything's fun and you get this little immature moment, you get have a relationship and you're like, you're like, I just want to do what I want to do now. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that. It's like, it's this sort of, you know, thing where you go, I just want, I'm not going to, I don't want to be hassled. I just want to do what I want to do. And I'm going to do whatever I want. And all of a sudden, it's like, you're like a kid again for so a little you, while. So you stopped smoking and then you started smoking again. Then I started smoking again after 10 years. It was kind of Slade's fault, honestly, because we were going out drinking and he was still smoking and he'd like give me a cigarette. He'd just give me like an American spirit here and there, like while we were, when I was drinking, like a, a cigarette here, a cigarette there. And, you know, that's the kind of person I am. It's like I had like a, I had like one cigarette while I was drinking twice. And then I was smoking like a, ha- a pack a day again in like a week. Um, <clears throat> so then I smoked again for like, I don't know, that was like, I don't know, five years or something I smoked again. Um, but anyway, we quit uh, last April. Yeah. It was almost like, it's been a long time now. So that's like nine months or something. Mm-hmm. Um, except now for the last like three months, we're like vaping all of a sudden, which I never thought I would do. But we're going to stop. I'm totally cause... not a vaping person. And also it's vaping seems weird. I feel like all of a sudden, like one of us is going to like have pneumonia and we're not going to know why. And it's going to be because we're smoking this weird, like, like sucking like weird vapor into your lungs. Well, that's sort of the thing. Um the, the, it seems like there's been this pipeline of smoking is awful, don't smoke, you're going to smell bad, blah, blah, blah. And then vaping became a thing. And everybody my age was like, you know, they're just all walking around with like their little jewels and everything. And now it's like jewels are out. It's a pipeline of jewel to cigarette to jewel for to jewel to cigarette. So people that were smoking jewels and were all down on smoking are now back to. Yeah. Jewel. So, I mean, back to, back to, back to cigarettes, cigarettes now. Yeah, like and it's real such smoking. a big deal that the New York Times made this whole article about it. They quote this one girl who's a 24-year-old sculptor, and she says, Weirdly, in the last year or two, all of my friends who didn't smoke now smoke. I don't know why. No one is really addicted to it. It's more of a pleasure activity. And that's what they say. That's what you say. And then I you're, think, you're I think you don't know why. I think 15 the, years. The, yeah, exactly. And I think the reason why is because people are just... <laughs> People are now smoking for the same reason that people quit smoking in the first place. Like yeah. media or media slash peer groups tell you what to do and you do it because you just fucking do what you're told to do. It's just the way that the people that they interview for this article make it seem like we're just living in, if, especially, I guess, if you live in a big city, because this is specifically about New York. But it just seems like this weird dystopian, like we're just all trying to f- like go back to living in a different time period because they interview this other girl and she says we're having a really sexy and ethereal 1980s revival and smoking is part of that a lot of people i know are posting pictures of doing it i'm doing it it's having its moment for sure <laughs> first of all i want to i, I kind of feel like i want to punch that girl in the face i don't even know why but that's such an annoying quote yeah you know like um <laughs> we're having a sexy 80s blah blah like like I, it's sort of like saying like you know I'm intentionally, I'm actually stating outright that I'm like doing a derivative retro thing on purpose. Like I remember, um, (laughs) it's like there's retro, 
There's retro because you can't help it and you're just cool. And there's retro on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. There's like derivative. There's like movies that just have this retro feel. Like, I don't know, maybe Wes Anderson is a good example of that. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, he's obviously very affected and very oh, stylized. Oh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Has a retro, cool feel just because he can't, just can't help it. People that would jewel. Do you say jewel or smoke jewels? Jewel. <laughs> People that, jewel is like hitting a verb. The jewel. <laughs> People that were hitting the jewels. Jewel people would always were always so down on like, ah, oh, you should you should stop smoking and just smoke smoke just just jewel. It's so much it's cleaner and it's totally safe and it doesn't stink and you won't smell all bad and now they're all smoking. God, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And they interview another guy in this article who has he takes like prep for a medication to prevent HIV. And they interview him and he says, Well, I went um to my doctor um, to start taking the medicine and I realized that it can increase bone density of the spine and he left the doctor's office unsure if, if he was going to take the medicine but then he immediately lit a cigarette and laughed he said because here I am consuming this absolute poison I definitely have double standards <laughs> kind of reminds me of like I mean I get that you know I, I think like if you start going down one road like I was saying to my doctor once like my doctor's always trying to get me on anxiety medication and I was like can I just like drink martinis more often like i just start <laughs> earlier in the day and he's like no 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 we don't want you to do that but and that's he has to say that because he's a doctor but seriously what well, i mean if i'm going to start like dumping like as he said to me many times like for this to work with you we're really going to have to push push the dosage with your symptoms the kind of like brain that you have like it you know we would be taking shit loads of prozac or zoloft or whatever so if you're going to be dumping shitloads of of you know of that into my system versus like martinis i mean really you know what i mean like what like what i'm really not at all sure it really does seem to me like just drinking booze all the time would probably be safer than putting that much of some weird chemical shit into your system you know same thing with like yeah like with smoking it's like where where are you gonna draw a line you might as well where where are we drawing the line you might as well just commit to the premise at this point yeah and it's all just about what it looks like i mean it's this article seems to suggest that people moved away from jeweling because it didn't look as cool as having cigarette in your mouth and they even interviewed this other girl she said it's just a cool thing it sounds lame to say that i think of hot guys that i'm into and they're like i'm gonna go step out and have a cigarette it's kind of sophisticated, grunge sophisticated. Okay, I changed my mind. I want to punch this girl in the face now. Is it a different girl or the same different girl? Different girl, different girl. Oh. They're all like 25-year-olds. Oh, my God. What has happened to people? Somebody said smoking is part of being seen, and I think people want to be seen right now. So you stick a fucking cigarette in your mouth. I mean, that's just, God, that's so pathetic to actually, like, say that outright like that. I mean, obviously, that's what it is. Obviously, it's it's it's, you know... Yeah. It's fashion. It's about what it looks like. And they interview uh, Martin Amos's daughter for this article, the writer. Um, and she says, beautiful people do it. Really talented, beautiful people do it. It goes with things that I admire. <laughs> <laughs> that is so... Oh, I think Martin sad. Amos himself would roll his eyes at that quote. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. I wonder, I was going to say at first when you brought this up, I was going to say, is this like an effect of the pandemic? So everybody's just been bored out of their minds for two years and smoking is great when you're bored. It's like when everybody who's ever smoked seriously and then quit, there's always those moments where you're like, oh man, God, this is where like 
this is where smoking would be awesome because it's whatever it is. You know, you're just you're sitting around for periods. You're killing time between things. You're waiting, you know, and that's where smoking is like awesome, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's like the pandemic has been like two years of like sitting around waiting for the bus to show up. You know, it's like, I got well, to do something. I mean, I've always said, like, it's the hardest thing about quitting smoking is, like, when I was, you know, a full-time real smoker, I would look around at people who weren't smoking, and I would always just think, like, what do these people do all day? They're just kind of, like, standing around waiting to die. But you're still standing around <laughs> even if you're smoking a cigarette. Smoking gives you something to do. If you're not smoking, you're just kind of standing around. Get into whittling or something. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like guys who are like chewing gum. Those are chewing gum. And it's just like that's that's the beginning of the end, the emasculation. Because there is something about that. We have this feeling like, um, you know, like, God, like Jewel. Like would fucking Hemingway have jeweled? You know? Probably. <laughs> well, who knows? With Hemingway now, I mean, like, yeah, Hemingway on Prozac with a jewel. You know, we wouldn't have the books we have, that's for sure. And people go, but he would have been happier. <laughs> Not so sure. Um, anyway, so that's pathetic. Sm- but smoking is back. So smoking so is back. That's knows. good. So we sh- maybe we should start. No, we're not. We're not going to start again. We're, we're we're quitting the jewel. I've already soon. done my smoking, you know, and and it was and it was was I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing it because it looked cool. I was doing it because I was an addict, <laughs> and it was awesome and it was fun. I kind of want a cigarette right now, actually. Can Here, I take that a jewel? sip of this jewel? <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, um, this article comes from the lovely and respectable Fox News. The headline is <laughs> California trans child molester 26 gets two years in juvie facility thanks to progressive D.A. Gaskin. Hold on. I was thinking trans child at first. Trans um, child molester. A trans child molester. Except the thing is... The story about this is that it happened in 2014, but it happened when the um, person was. I see. They were a minor. They were a minor, and they also, at the time, were not transgendered. Okay, so hold on. So they're 26 now. So in 2014, that's like eight years ago. So they were like. They were like 18, or they must have been like 17 or something, I guess. Yeah. So they were like 17. Who did they. What was the age of the person that they. they, they uh, sexually oh they sexually assaulted a ten year old. Ten okay so that's pretty bad. Yeah it is pretty bad. But at the time they weren't <laughs> transgender. Right. So what Fox is saying with that little headline and people who listen to this podcast, I mean I'm sure like people who know me know that like you know I'm not a Fox News person. It's it's sad and pathetic that like that Fox News is like a place you even would have to look to because all of the mainstream media is so brain fucked by. You know, like the conservatives go, this fucking liberal, libtard propaganda. But it is true that like all the mainstream media is so left leaning. It's so biased. It's just, you know, it's like academia or anything. It's all, it's ridiculous. So the fact that you'd even, you actually do, you know, I find like articles that are actually written with any amount of like ability, any willingness to criticize anything going on. It ends up being like, you know, like Fox News or something. Well, this article in particular is, I mean, it's horrifying because what happened is was awful. I mean, it was a male 17-year-old 2 weeks away from turning 18 actually like physically sexually assaulting a 10-year-old. 10-year-old. But and the crazy part is that the James Tubbs who was um, arrested on November 11th, 2021 only started identifying as a woman until after he was arrested. 
So wait, when did when did they start identifying as after female? they were taken into custody? After they were taken into yeah, custody, like a week after they were taken into so custody. After they were taken into custody, they went. Oh, actually, I'm a woman now. Put me in with the women. Yes, for, and, and this, this is, is a person who's been who's who, been uh, found guilty or at least accused of sexual, sexual assault assaulting a female, a, a juvenile. Not only a female, female but a ten year old. Yeah. What? Where's the um? Um. Where is the uh? What's the state of the, the status of the trial? Um. Yeah. So they they convicted him i guess and he's or she sorry she is now going to be housed at the juvenile facility so basically like any man that's such a precedent for like any man who gets arrested for a crime can say he can can suddenly decide to identify as a woman and be put into prison with women yeah i mean i have to say if i was about to go to prison um i would definitely rather be put into a women's prison. Although I don't think that would be any walk in the park either. Um, you know, I've seen a couple of episodes of Orange is the New Black. <laughs> is that what it's called? That is what it's called. Good job. These don't look, they're not like the like the kind of girls that I like to hang out with normally. I wouldn't want to be in Orange is the New Black. There's just going to be too many lesbians. And... <laughs> well, that's the, the reality, of course, of prison in general. It's just a fucking disgrace. For many I reasons. I think for many, many reasons. I mean, who gets put in prison in the first place is definitely biased for, for sure. And by the way, not just racially. I know that's like the only thing anybody can see anymore, but it's also completely biased based on class. You know, money is the main thing. I mean, O.J. Simpson is black. I think we pretty much all know what happened there, right? I mean, hey, who knows? I wasn't there. But I mean, you know, I don't think a regular black person or even a regular white person would have gotten off that fucking charge you know and not just based okay so not just who gets thrown in prison but of course in prison just the complete the whole looking the other way of just like being forced into a place where you're just pretty much it's just accepted that you're just going to be getting like gang raped and beaten on a regular basis and and it's like not only is that sort of just like a commonly known thing that happens but it's a joke it's like a favorite joke. How many times have you been watching a movie or a show where somebody says like, you know, you know, like, don't drop the soap. Whatever. It's like, ha ha, that's so funny. He's going to get brutally raped all the time. Ha ha. You know, and we just look the other way because these are criminals who I guess deserve it. But we have supposedly we have a system in which we're, we like to think that that's the difference between them and us here on the outside is that, you know, we're not animals. Well, you know, maybe we should think about that a little bit. So I get that element of it. It's just like the the uh, the issue with, with trans people, trans athletes in sports. Same issue where, you know, this is one of the implications. I mean, that I've been for years, as soon as this trans thing started becoming a thing, you know, years ago I was going, okay, let's see how committed you are to this premise. It's a good uh, segue into our next headline. Is it about sports? It is about sports. Awesome. And it is about transgender athletes. Is it um, about Leah Thomas? Yes, it is. Because I talked about I talked about old Leah briefly. Yeah. A couple episodes again uh, ago. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're back, or she is back in the news um, because the Daily Mail posted an exclusive interview with some of her teammates and the is that the daily cis mail or the daily trans <laughs> m-a-i-l it's oh, m-i- oh. m-a-i-x <laughs> so um the, the headline for this one is 
We're uncomfortable in our own locker room, Leah Thomas's UPenn teammate tells how the trans swimmer doesn't always cover up her, ma- her male genitals when changing and their concerns go ignored by their coach. So this one, a couple of the teammates spoke to the Daily Mail saying that they were uncomfortable because they said it's definitely awkward because Leah still has male body parts and is still attracted to women. The swimmer said that multiple teammates have raised their concerns about their coach to their coach, trying to get Thomas ousted from the female locker room. We were basically told that we could not ostracize Leah by not having her in the locker room and that there is nothing we can do about it, she said. The teammate added that Thomas appears to enjoy all of the attention and said it affects the team more than it does her. <laughs> and a reminder, uh, Thomas was previously, um, he they competed on the UPenn men's swim team for three years until transitioning in 2019. And I think was kind of mediocre on the swimming. I mean, good enough to be on a college swimming team, but not anything too special. And then switched to the girls swimming team and has now been just shattering records left and right, like broken all the school records, broken all kinds of records and and um, and the other women on the team have all been just basically kind of super deflated. It's like there's nothing I can do. I've worked my whole life to get to this point and now I can work as hard as I can and it won't matter because no matter what I do, Leah Thomas, like I think in one meet, she, Leah Thomas beat the closest person by like 40 seconds. Normally a swim meet is like is like fractions of a second, maybe mm-hmm. at the, you know, like in the Olympics, it's always like you win. That's why like you shave your legs and stuff underwater. Like the men shave their legs because the body hair will slow you down because that's how tight that those races are. You know, it's like shave your legs and grow your fingernails out so that you can touch the wall like a, a fucking nanosecond before somebody else. And here's Leah Thomas beating people by 40 seconds. You right. Know? And then there's also the whole aspect like uh, Emily and Pretty Little Liars. Emily has that little routine that she does before every swim meet where she like gets her head in the right space and she like listens to her music. And if somebody messes up her routine, she doesn't swim as well. So you have to think like what sort of mental things are these girls having to go through if like if suddenly their locker room is not even a safe space anymore. You know, they can't even mentally yeah. prepare for the meet if they're like, oh God, I can't, what, am I, what if I see a penis? I don't want to see a penis. That's a really good point. And it adds all this unnecessary stress to that. That's a really good point. Yeah, because it's like, it's a pre-performance routine. It's like if you're a musician and you're like backstage, like getting, okay, whew, getting ready, getting ready, getting ready. Because it's true. It's completely true. Like you can't just like walk out no matter what it is. If you're a musician, stand-up comic, swimmer, whatever it is, like you have to get yourself in the zone. Because then as soon as you step on the stage, you have to just be going a thousand miles an hour, you know? And so if you're doing that while changing in front of, while taking off all your clothes in front of a biological male, and that makes you uncomfortable, I think it's just, it's just a great example of how nobody matters anymore, except this very small group of like protected elite citizens, you know? And that's, that's the problem, of course, like in this situation, all of this is to be, this is all for the sake of one person, Leah Thomas, is the only thing that matters. That's one person. The entire rest of the team is like, this is not fair to us. We, all of us, like 20 people feel uncomfortable changing in this locker room and 20 people are busting their ass, working as hard as they can and it's completely fucking pointless because this biological male is going to kick our ass at every turn and everybody goes, sorry, too bad, tough yeah. shit. And that's so what that the one teammate, person. That's what the teammate actually says in this article when they got interviewed. They say, the three of us are just supposed to accept being uncomfortable in our own space and locker room for the feelings of one. And they either have to roll over and accept it or they can't use their own locker room. Mm-hmm. I know some people had 
said that they were felt like quitting the team. Some people actually did quit the uh, a, I, um, uh, some sort of official quit over this in protest. Yeah, you said before, and uh, also um, on you know social media, people like Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett have come in and said this isn't fair. It's not fair. And um, recently, I forget the person's name, but there's a, uh, you know, there's a actual, you know, a, a person who's actually trans themselves um, recently making a Corinna something, um, making, you know, coming out and coming, going on record is saying like, this is, this is not fair. This is ruining sports. This is, you Corinna know. Con. You, what's your name? Corinna Con, C-O-H-N. Corinna Khan. A biological male who identifies as transsexual testified in support of a bill banning biological males from women's sports. Khan yeah. testifies that it is unfair to expect girls to to cede their hard-won rights. Yeah. C-O-H-N? I think it's Cone. Cone. Corinna Cone. Corinna Cone. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Cone, Khan, whatever it takes. The fact that this person, Tubbs, just identifies out of nowhere as trans. I mean, that's like kind of like with sports, at least there, there is, you have to, there are some rules. You have to have been, you have to have identified this way for a certain amount of time. You have to have been taking like estrogen for a certain amount of time in prison. I guess you can now, if you could, if you get arrested, you can just suddenly go like, you know, it's like going diplomatic immunity. It's like the fucking, parlay. the old guy parlay. So the old guy from like, Lethal Weapon 2, you know, the, the old guy who's like, you know, diplomatic community. He just like starts shooting police officers in the face and then going like diplomatic community, you know. There needs to be a blanket rule just like there is for everything else, you know. You can't drink until you're 21. You can't buy cigarettes until you're, what is it, 21 now, I think, everywhere. Oh, that's right. God, they, they raised that too. Yeah. Because they, they predicted that smoking was going to be back. <laughs> you can be drafted at 18, but you can't buy a pack of cigarettes until you're 21. Mm-hmm. But you know. but if you're in the army, if you get drafted, if we go to World War III with Russia and they have to, and people have to get drafted, can you just be like, oh, gosh, a week ago I realized I'm transgender. I identify as a woman. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's these are the sorts of questions that are implications that nobody ever thinks about. Like, you know, if you can just if if your gender is legally defined by whatever you say it is based on your subjective feelings about yourself inside and and you can and you can all of your political and moral authority can be based on that. And you're you're suddenly you're, uh, you know, at the, as it stands right now, if you get arrested for a crime, just say you're trans and they'll put you in with the women. Mm-hmm. And then and then like like that case you're telling me about with, with this guy Tubbs. The judge is worried about about Tubbs getting picked on by the men, so they put Tubbs, a known sex offender, into a women's prison where that that would potentially, one would think, possibly raise the risk against um, against the women. And of course, now though, having played this beautiful trump card of being trans, you know, if this person wasn't trans and they put him in a women's prison then it's fine to say, like, obviously, this is not fair to the women. This is a, a risk of rape. He's going to go around raping all the women. And everybody would agree with that. And and the, and the fact that um this person did actually rape a 10-year-old girl, okay? But now, now Tubbs is trans and going to a women's prison, and I say um he's going to rape all the women, and that makes me transphobic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay, so there you have the two really interesting cases. What else we got? <laughs> well... Uh, Disney has decided to cancel their remake of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because the main actor 
uh, or I don't know if he'd actually been cast in it yet, but the main um, dwarf actor, Peter Dinklage. Yeah, he's been in called, tons of stuff. Yes, yeah. so he called out uh, Disney for the idea that uh, creating a Snow White and Seven Dwarfs movie would be a backwards creation. Like taking a step offensive. backwards towards being towards like characterizing um, little people as yes as as comic sort of sidelines or or whatever. Yeah. So they canceled all the role the all the seven roles of the seven dwarves in its Snow White remake. Uh, is it Snow White without the dwarves? Yes. Mm-hmm. And now Disney is rethinking what they could possibly do with the the empty space of where the dwarves were. Um, Snow White and the Seven and her seven friends. It should be just be make it like a modern movie, you know, like a like a Hallmark movie. Just make it Snow White. That's what all Hallmark movies are: is like a, a nice white girl from the city who's successful and at her business, and then she moves to a small, simple country town and finds um finds a rugged, simple but honest man who shows her that like simple small rugged small town values are better than city slicker values however she's still like skyping with her city friends who are always she always has like one black female friend and one gay either white or like sort of latino sort of friend and he's like and it's that same pattern you know of like kind of comic relief stuff but it's all it's like this tokenism where that she always has like the, the white protagonist always has like always has like a, a mixed bag of like like racial and sexual orientation friends to show that she's a good person because she doesn't discriminate. Yeah. So they could just do that with Snow White. That's 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 my prediction. That's what we're going to see. We'll see, we'll see. But the dwarf actors um this article reads dwarf actors have reacted furiously to Disney canceling the seven dwarfs from its Snow White remake after the Game of Thrones star Peter Dinklage called them offensive. The dwarf actors said that this decision robs them of work and a chance to fulfill what for some of them is a dream role. So Disney has made the decision to rethink the characters, but multiple actors and their agents said that there are plenty who would have happily accepted the jobs that Dinklage, a Golden Globe winner who's paid $2.8 million per episode of Game of Thrones, said were backwards. Okay, wait. So hold on. Um, first of all, I just thought of a name for the um, the movie. It should be Snow White and the Seven... Um, um, I'll come up with it later. <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Woke Instagram acronyms: BLM, POC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> POS. Folks with an X. Snow White and the Seven Folks. folks. With yes, an that's X. perfect. God, that folks thing. Folks is not a gendered word. God damn it! <laughs> so stupid. It's like the M and M's thing. You know. Of like, like, does a fucking Eminem have to be gendered? Like, if you gender an Eminem, isn't that okay? I don't fucking know. I'm not sexually attracted to Eminems. <laughs> Unlike Tucker, everybody has a joke. Tucker Carlson, right? Fox News. He did, he did a thing. Everybody's like, oh, Tucker Carlson wants to fuck the green Eminem or whatever. But so, okay, so, so let me so make sure I got the story right. So, okay, so Disney is going to do Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Peter Dinklage, who is the most famous little person actor i think that's you're supposed to say little people right it sounds bad but it i think that's bad. what you're supposed to say um so he who can afford to turn to, to to do it he says like you guys need to cancel this so meanwhile so disney is is changing the deal but then all the other little people actors are all pissed because they would have this was like a role a chance to really do something uh 
huge, right? Yeah. And they this is they were like, this is the chance to do something really big with a really small role. <laughs> is that bad? Should I not say? <laughs> but. But, oh my god! But, I mean, that's cool. Peter Dinklage is you know a really respected, great actor, and he's but he's the most famous. He's been the most successful. Yeah, actor. and it's so it's bit, kind of like somebody. It's sort of like it's you hypocritical. can afford. It's kind of like Willie Nelson, not Willie Nelson. It's kind of like Neil Young going like everybody fuck Spotify. You know, I just got this fucking podcast going. I'm putting my music. Nobody ever listens to my music or my podcast. Like you know, that's I could put it on Apple or whatever, but it's like. You know what I mean? Like, there's that. Let's get to the Spotify thing later. But it's sort of like people that can afford, like, Peter Dinklage can afford to have principles. Mm -hmm. You know? He can afford to be, to stand up for his principles. And they interviewed another little person actor, Dylan Postal, who was, he was in The Muppets. um, And he said, Peter Dinklage is the biggest dwarf actor probably of all time, but that doesn't make him King Dwarf. When he was cast as a little person role in Lord of the Rings or in Game of the Thrones or an elf, those checks cashed just fine. He had no issue then, but now he wants to be progressive. Come on, man. That's a very interesting point. Yeah, I mean, this this is a guy. I, I guess the idea is now I have heard. I think I've heard Peter Dinklage in an interview. I could be wrong. Peter, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're not. But if you are awesome, please, by all means, send me an email. It's on the website. <laughs> <laughs> this goes for anybody else checker. too by the way anybody is welcome to like you know to uh send send us emails if you have questions or suggestions or whatever by all means um but peter if you're listening maybe i got this wrong i think i've uh heard an interview with him though where he has talked about he's tried his whole career i think it's been a real focus for him to make a difference in the way that little people are portrayed by playing roles that aren't like little people caricatures in other words like, yes, obviously he can't, you know, he's playing, he, he, you know, he himself, he has the stature in the body that he has, but he plays, he doesn't play it like that. He plays it straight. He plays like a regular person. It's the same thing. I kind of was going like, you know, like every gay person in a movie is there as a gay person. It's like kind of what I was saying about the Hallmark thing. It's like, okay, um, can we get the gay guy on set here? Can we get the black? Let's get the token friends on here now. We get the trans friend and the gay friend and the trans lesbian. That's a twofer. And, you know, the black friend and whatever. You get all these people around, but that they're there as representatives of this identity, right? And so Peter Dinklage, I think, has had the focus of trying to play like – like his role in Elf, you brought up, mm-hmm. you know, he's not playing the role of a little person. He's playing the role of this like badass, successful children's author who comes in and just wrecks house and kicks everybody's ass and he doesn't play it that way. However, having said that, it you the thing is you can't really remove that aspect of his body and his his appearance from the role. For, you know, what happens is, you know, he comes in and Buddy, the elf, who just came from the North Pole, he's a really (laughs) sweet guy. He doesn't mean any offense, but he sees him and he's like, oh, my God, you have elves here. And Peter Dinklage is like, that's that's really funny guy. Okay, can we get back to the meeting here? And um, (laughs) and then uh, and he goes like, "Ooh, you're an angry elf. They give you lots of candy canes or whatever they say. And finally, like, Peter Dinklage, like, loses his shit and just jumps across the table and starts strangling him. So the thing is, like, Peter Dinklage is playing, like. He's not, it's a difference between that and like, like there is a difference between that role 
and Wizard of the Oz. And, and <laughs> Wizard of Wizard the Oz. Wizard of the Oz. And the Wizard of <laughs> there's a difference between that role and the Wizard of Oz, where everybody's just like they're like it's like clowns. It's the same yeah. thing as like at a certain point, like all the black people in films were there as they were. If there's a black person in a film, they're like. Um, they're like a server or something, you know, or it's they're, like they're that like terrible the servant film or, or a, trip or a, to the moon, that super <laughs> racist black and white film. They're playing natives. Yeah. Or they're playing the Sambo clown kind of caricature. Like I totally Holiday get, Inn. I totally, yeah. Holiday Inn versus White Christmas. I was just going to bring that up. Right. Okay. So the, okay. So two movies, White Christmas, one of my all time favorite movies. I introduced you to this movie, which is awesome. Um, fantastic movie. That was like 1954, I want to say, and Holiday Inn was like 1943, I think. Could be wrong, but I think that's right. 43 and 54. So there's like 11 years separating these two films, and they're very, they're like kind of, they're like kind of brother films. They're like twins, where um, they're both um, Irving Berlin things. So it's all Irving Berlin music, and they're both musicals starring Bing Crosby with featuring the music of Irving Berlin. They're both fucking awesome because Bing Crosby is fucking awesome, and old movies like that are so great, and the world was better. But um, <laughs> but there is – people do talk about – one of the things they talk about with those two films is that like it's kind of a cool cultural signifier looking back. is like here's a thing where you can see where things changed because in 1943, Holiday Inn – there's a blackface scene. Both films involve like musical productions, but in in 43, there is a scene that they do. Um, it's really cringy. It's blackface, Bing Crosby in blackface, everybody's in blackface, and they're singing. Because Holiday Inn is about like as an inn where they do they do like a performance for each holiday. So when they get to like President's Day or whatever it is, they do like a song called for Lincoln. A- Lincoln. Lincoln, it's Lincoln, Lincoln's birthday or whatever the hell it is, where they do this song called Abraham and it's like, Abraham. So, but it's really, yeah, it's really cringy. It's blackface in 43. But then in 54, they also do like another, see, you know, they're doing like vaudeville numbers because that's where all these guys came from, like Bing Crosby and stuff. So it's this, you know, it's this whole genre that was getting lost by then. And they do like a vaudeville number in White Christmas too. And, but this time it's not in uh, this time it's not a blackface. They've like learned their lesson by then, and that's 1954. You know, by then they're like, okay, this shit isn't cool. Um, and it's kind of like that. Like things have changed with the you know you know I get where Peter Dinklage is coming from. That you know you you know I I mean I could see why he would say that. That you know, but the thing is, on the other hand, the dwarves in Snow White are dwarves. They're not like it's not any different than Lord of the Rings where there are elves and dwarves or, or Game you know, of Thrones. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Are, well, I haven't either, so but I, they're, it's like, I think it's like uh, Lord of the Rings, like fantasy dragons. And anybody stuff? listening is like, oh my God. It's like, no, it's something. Yeah, I mean, it's, something. <laughs> it's like castles and dragons and fucking, I don't know what it's like. Um, people wear fur and stuff. Nobody had electricity or, you know, these people don't have any antibiotics. But yeah, I mean, it's like this is so like Snow White. It's a fantasy film set in an alternate reality in which there are literally dwarves. So I don't know if that really is like is that is that caricaturing? Is that the same thing as like a black person playing like the Sambo routine? Like if you wanted to make a film where you were asking black actors to 
to play the kind of roles. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, if it's that fucking gone worse. with the wind, it makes sense. I, I really hate going back and, like, this thing that that is becoming more and more popular now of going back and let's make it look like how we wish it would have been. Right. So like, they did back- that Anne Boleyn show recently where Anne Boleyn is played by a black lady. Or just, like, in general, like, uh, like we've been watching, we just watched um, The Great. Yeah. And, like, it's Russia – I don't know. I don't know the history of Russia. I, I won't put this in there because I'm going to sound like an idiot. But like, you know, like were there that many like prominent black people at court? Oh, were that were there that many people banging it out everywhere? <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's just, it's one of those questions. Were there though. that many men eating pussy? <laughs> men love eating pussy in the great. That's like whoever wrote this fucking show Based is obsessed with eating pussy. You know. Um, Probably turns out he's gay. I'm like, his wife must love him. And it turns out he's just gay. That's why why he thinks that's what men do, right? No. Well, these guys in the great, it's like they talk about eating pussy more than fucking women. They're just like, they're just like, you know, this is what life is about. This is what life is about. It's about drinking and hunting and eating pussy. That's not what men say. This guy... Doesn't look like he'd be good at eating pussy. This guy, this guy, what's his name? Uh, Tony McNamara. Tony McNamara does not look like huge bushy beard. All I can see now is that huge Santa's beard dripping with pussy. He's fifty-five. He has three kids. His wife is very happy. (laughs) Younger than him by a lot. But why do we bring that up? Huzzah! 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 We brought that up because it's like rewriting history to how we would like to imagine it. Okay, and I don't know if that's true with that with that show or not, but like definitely other shows where I'm like, where we're doing shows where movies coming out now. I can't think of any particular off the top of my head for some reason, but yeah, it's the sort of thing where it's like a it's a movie that's like set in the 20s in the United States, and like it's like a law firm, and like three of the people working in the law firm are black. And that's not. That's historically completely fucking inaccurate. There's no way. And so that's an interesting question. Where do we stand on that? Is that, does it, is it, is it, if it's supposed to be like this is an alternate, this is like an alternate timeline, like in Star Trek or something, where you make like, oh, this is an alternate timeline because this happened. So this is the alternate universe version of our universe. So like, what would have happened? Like, in fact, in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, somebody out there is like, yes. Bring up the thing with Cisco. There's an alternate universe thing where, what is it? What the? F- I've only seen it once, and it was a while ago. I haven't seen Deep Space. What happens with that episode where Cisco, who's black, he's the black captain of Deep Space Nine, and he, oh, maybe they just go back in time. They go back in time, and all of a sudden, like, it's but it's not like an alternate universe thing where like all of a sudden he's back in time and like. And there's all this racism. They go back to like the 60s or something on Earth sometimes. Like they time travel back. And so suddenly we get to see, you know, this guy who we've been looking at is like the captain. He's like in charge of everything in the 24th century or something, whenever that is. And uh, and now he's back in the 60s in a diner. And that's like effective and powerful because you're going like, you know, uh, it's a way of taking a character that we already know and respect and then subjecting him to this oppression, you know. So it's like you see, this is fucking what people had to deal with. Isn't there? But to go back and 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 change everything around to where like 
black people weren't oppressed. It's also like maybe a better example, um, Downton Abbey. That's oh, a good yeah. example of of a sort of a, a subtle, a very subtle rewrite that I think is problematic, which is there's one moment I think of in particular where uh, Lord Grantham, who is like the fucking definition of like, of like, white ass male ass landed gentry noble guy you know um living in the big house finds out that what is it it's been a long time since but he finds out one of his uh one of the servants is gay yeah one of the downstairs people is one gay. of the downstairs people is gay and everybody's thinking like oh shit like he's gonna like what's gonna happen is what would have fucking happened but instead lord grantham just says something real quick like you know like you know if I had a meltdown every time, every time a gay man tried to sleep with me when I was eating, I'd be a very uptight kind of guy. He doesn't say he's, you know, that's very loosely paraphrasing, but the point is he's like totally cool with it. And the thing is, it's just not realistic. I think I remember reading an article that made a similar argument years, years ago after this episode came out. And I was like, exactly. In case that guy's listening and going like, hey, that's my bit. He's stealing. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly. Like the guy, that guy, Lord Grantham, to be the, that guy that he was couldn't have felt that way. And the reason it bothers me, this rewrite, I see you're just going back and saying, what we're doing is we're going, see, Lord Grantham's a good person. And if you're a good person, then you aren't racist. And we can feel that way about people in 2022, but in 1922, that's not the same set of circumstances. And it's a dangerous rewrite to say, no, if you're a good person, then you aren't racist, period. Like, regardless of time, place, cultural context. And that's a dangerous idea because that means all the people who were racist back in the day were bad people. All the people who supported slavery were just bad people. All the people who were homophobic a hundred years ago were bad people. The reason it's dangerous is because it allows us to draw this line, this very thick line between us and them. And we all get to believe that if we were around in the Civil War, we would have been joining the Underground Railroad and fighting to free the slaves. And if we were around, you know, in, you know, in, uh, during World War II, you know, when like Alan Turing was, you know, being forced to undergo like, you know, chemical castration to stop being gay, we would have been like, you know, that's fucked up. And we all like to believe that if we were around in the McCarthyan days, we would have stood up against all that stuff. Or even going like way further back, like I just did this reading for my British nature writings class about um, man in the natural world and how men first started man, men meaning human beings first started sort of taking over the natural world and using it for their own benefit. And it all just had to do with the fact that humans are always searching for some dividing line to divide them from who they actually are, from like animals. And they have to cling to any notion that would preserve the dignity of themselves. And it's just, yeah, it just seems like it it allows us, it seems, this is a classic thing where it seems like a progressive, cool thing. Oh, look at that. Cool. See, they're, they're like, they're, they're adding dignity to the, to the to 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 black people and to gay people and to trans people and whatever you know by by giving them more representation in a good way instead of making them tokens and all that we see that good people we see all through history we can see now that like good people were always good you know they've always been people throughout history who were good and they got it but it's the reason it seems like this progressive thing but it's actually very dangerous because it allows us to draw this thick line between us and them and we all think if i was around then i would have done the right thing and guess what statistically historically 
we know that that is not possible. If, if we were all around back then, almost everybody would have been exactly like those people were because that was the environment. Uh, going back to what we were talking about, about smoking, everybody's smoking now. Admittedly, they even say outright, I'm doing this because right now it's the cool thing to do. So I'm smoking. And then if somebody tells me to stop doing it five seconds from now, I will. Well, the cool thing to do back then was to have slaves. <laughs> 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 you have to wonder too if shows like that are like how much they're doing it just for like their self like their own purpose because they have to have seen and noticed that all these shows that didn't do something like that like a great example is Mad Men Mad Men gets canceled after it's already been out and been around for so long because everybody's like oh god this is such a misogynistic show it's just so whitewashed but really they represented the 60s exactly how they would be you they're know? trying to represent misogynistic, sexist, chauvinist, asshole, white advertising guys. And they do guys. it perfectly. I mean, and that's now, exactly how it would be if you were in some, you know, very important advertising agency in New York, you know, where you're literally just trying to, like, make as much money as possible. But that's, I mean, that's a great, that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what happens is that more and more and more, something I talk about all the time, is more and more now, like, just allowing for the existence of something that is racist is racist. Showing something that is racist is racist. Like what happened to you at SAIC? You know, you were like, all you did was say, I would like, you just referenced a film. I would like to use the moon from this Georges Melier film. And the teachers... Not were, even to use it to create my, to use to it create, as an inspiration to create my own. <laughs> so all, and all you did was mention the existence of a film from 100 years ago that some people, not even most people, think is racist, and then the professors violently pull you aside and say, you need to fucking watch your mouth. <laughs> Imagine if I mentioned Birth of a Nation or something. I'd probably literally just be like expelled what, exactly. on the spot. I mean, seriously. Jesus Christ. What would that be? The point is, like, you're just mentioning the existence of... So that's the thing. It's like Mad Men, if you represent... Chauvinistic, if you represent a misogynist, then you are a misogynist. Meanwhile, blind spots fucking all over the place. What about like representing serial killers? We just can't get enough of fun movies and shows about serial killers. Are we serial killers because we do a documentary about a serial killer? They just did fucking another movie about like Eileen Warnos or whatever her name is. Like we just can't get enough of these. Does it make you a serial killer to make a movie about a serial killer? Does it make you a serial killer to watch a movie about a serial killer? No, well, Adam, now you're being ridiculous. But it does make you a racist to watch Birth of the Nation. You know? Or Lenny Riefenstahl uh, is the, uh, the J Hitler's favorite um, filmmaker. She did um, Triumph of the Will. You know? It's like, should Triumph of the Will be erased from existence or should it be preserved as a historical document? If you watched a documentary on... The History Channel about the Hitler Youth, which I think, by the way, everybody should do. I watched one recently, and the entire time I was going, wow, it's like the woke left social justice warriors. It's like the Boy Scouts for them. I mean, like watching, it's impossible to watch, seriously, watch a documentary about the, the Hitler Youth schools, and you tell me if this doesn't just sound like, like the University of Vermont. <coughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so how many news items do we have left? We have two more. Two, two more. more. Okay, so 
What what else is in the news these days? Well, the they both are Harry Potter related. Yes, because we More love Harry Potter? Harry Potter. Yeah, I just made a post on social media. Nobody ever looks at these. About um, I took an old picture of um a, of a Nazi book burning, and I just said ex Harry Potter fans. You know, they're all like doing the 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 Z Kyle thing. Her window's open. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah, it was going to be the police are going to show up. You committed a hate crime. No, there, saw, there aren't enough police saw, left in Burlington. We saw, the, <laughs> we saw through your window from 50 feet away. You were doing a see Kyle. That's a hate crime. But guess big joke is on them. No cops showed up because they got defunded. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, look, I just noticed there's Holiday Inn and White Christmas right next to each other, right, right in front of us where we're sitting here talking. Holiday Inn, White Christmas. There they are. That's fun. Right next to... Uh, Penelope. Miss, Mr. Smith goes to Washington and being there and Fanny. Paddington, too. Paddington, too. Scrooged. All the classics. Julia all, and Julia. All the classics. Death takes a holiday. We have really, we have a super refined, sophisticated taste in film. Watership Down, of course. Finding Nemo. Charlie Brown. Box set. Hey, yeah. Oh my gosh, Charlie All the Brown. Of course. I meant to tell you this: the voice actor who played Charlie Brown, who we were just looking him up the other day, he just committed suicide. What? Yeah, like two days ago. Oh my, Peter Robbins is that his name? I think so. Oh, Robbins or Robinson? Robin or Robbins? I think it's Robbins. Yeah, he was sixty-five. He committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And the news article said that the Charlie Brown thing was basically the only thing that he. You know, they didn't list anything else that he'd been in. So, was he sick, or was he just? No, he just was. He'd had trouble he with had alcohol enough. and stuff. I mean, he's Charlie Brown. He's sad. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> he's not Charlie Brown. Maybe that's why he. You know, a lot of times it's like people that play. You know, great roles like Richard Burton. You know, and I was like, man. How did he pull that off? And who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? And everybody's like, that's because he just played himself. He was like a fucking abusive alcoholic, you know. But it works. Should we cancel him? Do we need to cancel Charlie Brown now because uh, Peter Robbins committed suicide and that's a bad message for everybody? Where do we draw the line on canceling? We draw the line on canceling. Well, you don't get to decide who gets to be canceled. If you decide that the director. Because you're a man. I don't get to decide anything, no. If you decide that the director is somebody that you don't like, who has committed one of the, even if the director is only accused of having committed things and there's no Woody evidence, Allen. yeah, I was gonna start. I was huge, talking about my huge collection. I wasn't of Woody gonna Allen mention Woody Allen, stories. but yeah, perfect example. You know, and like this, this, and nobody, and like you know, fucking Timothy Chalamet is more than happy to like me. You know, to to boost his career by being in a Woody Allen film and then a, and then a hit piece bullshit piece of shit fucking trash fucking shithole of a documentary comes along called uh, Allen versus Pharaoh or whatever it's called which is not a fucking documentary it's just a fucking hit piece is what it is i mean like there isn't even the pretense of neutrality it's just if you know anything about how film is made or how anything about how art is constructed and the artifice of that, you know, I can't spell artifice. There's the word, you can't spell artifice without art, you know, then you understand how manipulation can take place. Back to Woody Allen, right? Woody Allen Well, Mia get, Farrow probably just wanted to do something because she realized that now she's a woman 
and things aren't the same. Isn't, aren't those the lyrics? Now that I'm <laughs> That is a deep cut last unicorn reference where she sings, Now that I'm a woman, everything has changed. Because she's a unicorn, she's like innocence and purity and light. And then the red and then Woody bull, Allen, the red bull of Woody Allen, <laughs> came and drove her into along, the ocean. Drives her her youthfulness and innocence into the ocean, and then no, but Woody Allen, accused of obviously being a pedophile and molesting his you know uh, stepdaughter and all these things, um, not proven though. At all. Tried over and over again. Tried and not found guilty. And they do this hit piece, and you can just say. Um, well, he wasn't found guilty because the system is corrupt. But nobody gives a fuck until like this hit piece comes out and then Timothy Chalamet fucking steps up and goes, I've decided to donate all of my funds from my Woody Allen film to charity. And everybody's like, Timothy. And then all of a sudden fucking Timothy Chalamet is on the cover of what, like Time or Newsweek or something yeah. as like, you know, like, like this is the leader we need. This is like America's new, like. This is the sort of leader we need or something? And that's already what was it? So what was the thing? I think Jesus. he was person of the year. Person or, of the year. Uh, oh, no, it wasn't person of the year. It was like, what was it? Like, maybe it was the person that we leader need was right in now. there, though. Yeah. Like, this is like, these, this is like one of our, this is one of our modern leaders. But it's still so know. narcissistic because he's like, why, why do you have to like proclaim that you've donated all your money? I read this article. Keanu Reeves donated almost his entire earnings from all the Matrix movies just to people. People like his his I think his brother or sister's cancer, you know, foundation. And he doesn't say anything about that. He doesn't talk about that. That's just what he does. And you don't know. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And that's a great point. You come out and you have to proclaim this. It's like it's not enough to it's like, you know, it's not enough to like cut your forearms all up and do some self-harm. You got to take those pictures and put them on Instagram right away. Look how much pain I'm in, everyone. I mean, if there isn't a picture on Instagram, then it doesn't count. Seriously, would you do it? If you didn't have Instagram, would people to, to, to applaud you for doing it? Would smoking come back Look unless there were people to see you smoke? <laughs> Look at me making light of self-harm. Oh, my God. Anywho, trigger warning. Anywho, trigger warnings. Um, last, last article oh, to wrap it up is a Harry Potter article and a higher education article. So the University of Chester, wherever that is. The English department has decided to put a trigger warning on Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And this is a university. They're putting a Harry, they're putting a trigger warning on it because they believe it can lead to difficult conversations about gender, race, sexuality, class, and identity. Oh my god, you're doing the Picard face palm right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Star Trek reference, baby. Mm-hmm. What university is this? This is University of Chester. Where is that? I'm not sure. Uh, probably somewhere. Chester. It sounds English. It sounds British. Yeah, it does sound English. That sounds very UK. Um, it doesn't say. Uh, well, sure. fuck them anyway. Yeah. So the University of Ch- Chester's English department um, says that although we are studying a selection of young adult texts in this class, the nature of the theories we apply to them can lead to some difficult conversations about gender, race, sexuality, class, and identity. These topics will be treated objectively, critically, and most crucially, with respect. If anyone has any issues with the content, please get in touch with the teacher and make them aware. And so this comes after J.K. Rowling's views on transgender rights came out. 
And so they're reading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone for their class. And it's and it comes with a content warning now because reading it is likely going to bring up conversations about J.K. Rowling being transgender or trans. What class is it for? Does it mention that? But just some literature class. Doesn't I guess. say. Yeah. So I mean, they're also reading um, Arthur Conan Doyle and Charlotte Bronte in the class. <laughs> you know, one thing it's funny. You know, like every time. I mean, obviously that's just pathetic. You know, like I just. I mean, I know everybody says this about like millennials and Gen Zers and stuff. What do you call Gen Zers? There's like a word for that. Zoomers. Zoomers, yeah. Millennials and Zoomers. Everybody says, like, you know, they're all, like, overprotected babies and they're going to be fucked when they get in the real world because this isn't how the real world works and they've never had to fucking deal with any adversity. Like, if you're putting trigger warnings on a book that was written, the first Harry Potter book that was written for children, it's a book that was written, not even one of these, like, it's, it kind of is supposed to be like a children's book, but it's actually an adult book. The first Harry Potter book really is a children's book, you know, just like the first movies really are children's movies. And then by the end of it, you know, by the end of it, they're all dark or whatever. But like this is a movie, this is a book that was written for like eight year olds. And you're putting trigger warnings on this for college students. Freshman I'm just saying for freshman students. college students. I'm just saying this is really like Jesus Christ, you know, and not to sound like a fucking old guy. But being a Gen Xer, my grandfather, when he was that age, was flying fucking, you know, P-47s over the fucking Pacific Ocean. He had to fucking bail out of one of those things over the Pacific Ocean, you know, where it's like the kind of, you know, not like, you know, this is like Top Gun ejection seat. This is like you have to bail out because you're running out of fuel. So you have to literally slide the fucking cockpit thing back. And then jump out of the plane, you know? And he said, all he could remember is that the guy had told him, if you ever have to jump out of the plane, don't try to jump between the wing and the tail because you'll hit the tail and get cut in half. Jump for the wing and you'll drop between the wing and the tail. Was that his trigger warning? (laughs) And he did that. He bailed out. Got picked up, you know, had like a raft, got picked up out of the ocean by a ship. This is what my grandfather was doing when he's fucking 19, okay? And here, these kids are being given warnings to read a goddamn book that was written for eight-year-olds about Harry Potter, which is like this, the funnest, sweetest, like, little kid book that has like a tw- – the, the font is like 47. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, Harry was very hungry. He was so glad to have his cake, and this was such it's a fun day. It's not even like it's Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows where there's like people, you know, they have to go to war, blah, blah. It's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the first one. The first one. one. This it's is like, like Harry Potter lived underneath his the stairs, and then he so figured cute. out I'm a wizard. Oh my god! <laughs> I know, like oh my god! If you need a fucking trigger warning to get through Harry Potter, it brings it, but it's because it's what we were talking about before, where it's not about Harry Potter itself. It's not about anything that's actually in the book. It's about J.K. Rowling has been labeled transphobic, so there's no way now to read. So that means Harry Potter is transphobic. It means the book is transphobic because she is transphobic. You see this conflation taking place in the press where they where they say things like, you know, J.K. Rowling has a long history of transphobia and misogyny and racism and her books are riddled all the way through with racism and transphobia. And it's like, really? It's so where is that? Yeah. 
because they're since they're written for little kids. I mean, what I'm I feel like you could get that first one and it says on the back like ages five up or something like that. Like they're written so plainly and like open ended that like when I was reading them when I was like in first grade or whatever, I like pictured the characters in a certain way because you're a little kid. You're reading a little kid's book. It's open like it, it's supposed to like evoke your imagination. I'm looking at so them right can, now, and they look they so they. I mean, that obviously they just look so cute and fun. You yeah, know? they're you like can, they're, but, you're supposed to read them to your four year old. Yeah, you know, and your four year old is supposed to imagine like they're supposed to see the characters in their own little way in their head. So it's not supposed to have anything about gender or race or anything. It's supposed to be something that you literally just imagine in your head. And that's watching the films. We were joking the other day about how there really aren't a lot of black people at Hogwarts. And in the films, but in the you, films. Can, you can read the book. You could assume that Hermione would be black. Or they're something. not. Just they're like, right. They don't label people as white. Right. They don't say like, you know, you know, it's not like Harry gets on the train and then Ron gets on the train and he's like, hi, I'm Harry Potter. And Ron goes like, hi, I'm Ron, a white male cis individual. <laughs> you know, it's that neutrality thing, too, where it's like being neutral if you're not actively fighting against racism, you're a racist. If you're not actively fighting against sexism, then you're a misogynist. If you're not actively fighting against transphobia, then you're transphobic. So we're just pointing out that there is no overt evidence of racism or sexism or transphobia in these books. But to other people, to a certain kind of mindset, that is racism and transphobia and misogyny, is that there isn't enough representation. So then what happens is you throw in all this bullshit tokenist representation and everybody goes, yay, good for you. I just like at a certain point, where are you going to draw the line? You know, I mean, just keep canceling fucking everything. You can always go back and you can look at like, oh, look at the sexism in this. Like just watch an 80s sitcom like Cheers. Great show. One of, like one of my top fucking three shows, right? It would be like Cheers, Frasier, made by the same people, and Star Trek The Next Generation, of course. Um, We're hitting all the big ones in this episode. That's right. And if you like Star Trek The Next Generation, folks, you just wait. buckle up. (laughs) Because there's a very special series of shows coming your way about that. So get ready. Um, But, you know, you can look back at, like, let's just take Cheers as an example. There are all kinds of moments where you can point to sexism in that show. I mean, it's about this guy, an ex-ball player, who's like a world-class womanizer. And the whole series of the show for 11 years is like him trying to basically grow up. And it ends, the show ends at 11 years with him basically being kind of feeling like, I think I blew it here. Like, I just, I never grew up. I never committed to a woman. I just kept doing what I wanted to do and having a good time. And my life's really empty. And I, like, in the end, he's like in a sex, he's like a, in a, like a, a, a group for sex addicts in the end. And he can't, he really can't find the answer, you know, and he's not happy, but he is in a way, but he's lonely. And he's, his, despite all of that, you know, all of that pleasure that has been his identity as being like his, his whole identity is like, I am a ladies man. So that's what the show's about. So obviously there's going to be fucking sexism, right? But right. the point I wanted to bring up was that all we see is the sexism part that we're looking for. And we don't see the other side of the equation. When you look back at old films or old television shows, it was a different culture. And it works both ways, right? Where you look back and somebody says something sexist to a woman, and that's not cool. And everybody's like, look how sexist it is. But then five seconds later, a woman says something equally sexist to a man. You know, the same 
the same stereotypes exist, the same unfair expectations exist. They, you know, we make fun of men for being afraid of something. You make fun of men for being emotional. That's just part of toxic masculinity still. It's still men's fault. Whatever. The women in the shows are fucking the ones making fun of them, and the women in the audience are fucking the ones laughing. So look back and just do this kind of thing. I would suggest to people, like when you see this, anyway, Open we got to wrap eyes, up here. People. Open your eyes. We got to wrap up because our battery's dying and we got to eat dinner. You have to have your dinner made for you, which is what happens every single night because you found yourself a housewife. This is a hard life I have. I know. Love you. Love you more.